On this episode of Resi Week, we talk the state of home theater, Oro and RTI, and how upselling hurts. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Rosie Week, episode 333, Mini Mansions. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Jeremy Glowacki. He's the executive editor of Residential Tech Today. How are you doing, Jeremy? Doing great, Matt. I can't believe you've had me back again. Like, what What do I have to do wrong again to get back to uh, to get on that list of no invites. Um, you're totally, you're on probation, man. Don't even worry about <laughs> now it. Now I am? Okay. You're one, you're one strike away. <laughs> okay. Good to know. I'll, I'll be, <laughs> I'm not sure which way I want that to go. So let's see, see how this uh, all takes. Exactly. Out. That's the problem, right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, next, we have Mr. Steve Greenblatt. He's the CEO of Control Concepts. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. All right, gentlemen, we are going to kick today off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and a good friend of the show, Mr. Jason Not the state of the home theater systems market. Uh, read through this. There is, there's an absolute ton of information in here, and I, I'm going to preface this. They are using the definition of home theater that the building, the construction industry uses that stipulates uh, and I, I quote, if I can find it real quickly, um, surround sound and a minimum 42 inch display. So we'll, we'll get into kind of why that matters in a minute. Um, but again, there, there's a absolute ton of information in here as far as locations, dedicated price points, multi-purpose room price points, uh, what the averages are. They, they are both up, which should surprise no one. Um, Dedicated spaces are up to around $50,000 uh, US. Median multipurpose is up to around $27,500 from uh, 17 or, or, or so. Uh, I'm sure that's a combination of labor, materials, products, etc. The other real interesting uh, case that, again, should surprise no one, but it, it is interesting to see, uh, is that there's a, a boatload of projects out there that are either either being delayed or in process or, you know, being pushed off a little bit uh, just because we can't get gear to finish these rooms. Uh, so again, that should surprise no one. Jeremy, let, let me start with you on this one. Should any of these numbers, should any of these numbers concern us? Is there anything that's a big takeaway from this? I, I'm personally a little surprised that multi-purpose, the, the average multi-purpose room has gone up like 10 grand. Uh, which, you know, when I think multi-purpose and, and, and think about kind of that great room, I don't have a ton of clients personally that are willing to spend, you know, 25 grand, um, into a, like, you know, a room off the kitchen. Uh, so I, I know this is a, a really wide margin when they, when they start talking multi-purpose rooms, but are there any numbers here that really stick out to you or, or that are concerning to you? Um, 
I actually was almost expecting the numbers to be higher, at least for the dedicated uh, home theater, because mm-hmm. just anecdotally, I, I've never um, been a good statistics gatherer uh, as as my job goes. I'm I'm more uh, stories and anecdotes and and conversations and um, networking with folks and and just across the board, anyone I talk to, um, dedicated theater is back for the industry. It's not something that is fading away like it had been for the, for a while, where it was only multi-purpose rooms that you were talking about. However you define that or however they define that, most of them um, would say it's a, a family room s- situation. Um, always a lot bigger than 42-inch television. I don't. That's kind of crazy that that's even still um, viable in <laughs> the statistics there. But um, yep. what you know you see is a home theater de- defined as surround sound with a big screen. Um, in a in a family uh, room setting, or maybe it's a rec room type of thing. But um, when you hear th- dedicated theaters um, on the upswing, and it could simply be we had none last year and we had one this year, and it's a really big project, or it could be we've done five this year, which is just crazy because maybe we do one in a year. That's what I keep hearing from people. Mm-hmm. So when you when you see it on a stat, you're talking about a lot, a lot of people, I, I would assume responding to this survey. So, um, there, there just is a lot of variability in the industry. Um, uh, I believe like what you see, um, and talk about in your market may be different because it's, a, a more conservative area. Um, you talk to someone in one of these crazy markets, um, like a, a Florida or, Texas or somewhere where they just spend some big big time bucks on on a mm-hmm. mini mansion, then that makes a lot of sense on the number side. Uh, but I, I would say almost like I'm expecting bigger numbers on at least on the dedicated side. But it it is interesting that you've got to put in perspective that they just can't finish the projects. And some of them saying we would have done more if we could have gotten the equipment to do it. Um, so mm-hmm. there's just a lot of stuff on hold or in process, like you said, or pr- process, as you say, actually, <laughs> my, my Properly, Canadian yes. friend. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, you, that's how we say it correctly here. You do. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very proper. <laughs> proper. <laughs> Why did you say proper? <laughs> anyway, so proper. yeah, we say proper properly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And, and I, I, I'd say that, um, that that's probably been the, the one factor and it's a big factor that just held this all in check is that you can't get it done and uh, you, you can only do these projects so fast. So um, on the on the whole, it's a good thing. They're doing well. Uh, the industry is selling entertainment spaces, but um, it's it, until the supply chain catches up, it's going to be kind of it's going to have a governor on it a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong on that. Steve, to, to quote um, my one of my favorite Reacher idioms, details matter, right? My, my concern with anything like this is that the terminology really matters. And I would argue, I don't think I could find a single person in the industry who, if I said, does a home theater include a subwoofer? Can you have a home theater without a subwoofer? I don't think I could find anyone who would be like, oh yeah, totally. You you have to have a subwoofer to to qualify as a home theater. And yet 
in this only 79% of them, which again is the majority, but only 79% of them say that they include a subwoofer. How do we navigate trying to explain any of this and these concepts to customers when their terminology and, and the building community's terminology differs so much? A dedicated theater space, again, using their their numbers and, and their things here, at $50,000 could be a staples projector and a pull-down screen and like a couch, right? Like, which anybody in the industry would look at that and be like, sure, technically, but no, that's not a dedicated theater room. Is that just us being super uppity? I think you bring up a, a good point in that we need to make sure that we understand that we are not speaking to our clients in terms that we're used to, but we need to speak to the clients in terms of what they're used to and whatever they choose to call it, I think is right because it's what it means to them. And sometimes a home theater to somebody can be something that they're very proud of and that it is just a an elevated media room or an elevated watching space where they they've outfitted the entertainment to be a little bit more than what they had previously um so mm -hmm. that that could be something that they're that they really take a lot of pride in and and they they are it could be a very big investment. So what it's doing is it's um, opening up this industry and this market to to a bigger crowd. Um, when we think of a dedicated theater, as you said, you think of theater seats and you think of the concession stand and you think of the curtains and the lights and the and and you know something reminiscent of a classic theater. Um, but but that's mm -hmm. what we're we're used to because we've become a little bit numb to some of the 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 average systems um, from but if you're looking at communicating it to an outsider and from a sales perspective or to a builder it gets a little bit more difficult and and maybe there isn't a term that we should place on it but more so characteristics so what yeah. what is this space what is this space intended to do and and I think that that's a lot of times what gets lost in w what we do from a custom perspective is Sometimes we get lost in some of the details and don't necessarily focus on what the client and the user really needs. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from a residential tech today. Uh, RTI now integrates with Oro Intelligent Lighting Control System. Um, I've actually got some more on my house right now. I believe, Jeremy, you do as well. Uh, and it's it's great for me because I'm an RTI house. Uh, so we can now control uh, both control Oro from RTI, but also control RTI from Oro, which I, I, I think is a really big part. Um, read through the article. It, it covers a lot of the, the built-in stuff. Um, our friend PG, Patrick Gall, uh, comments a lot about how they, this is kind of one of their most requested integrations uh, to get it working with RTI. Steve, I, I want to start with you on this one. One of the coolest factors of Oro is that it can really serve easily as a control for multiple other subsystems, right? It's not just the light switch that goes in the wall, turns on the lights, and then you can control that from your control system. You can, you know, from an Oro, control Sonos, control 
your your doorbells control a lot of other things from that little touchscreen. How important is like bi-directional control? Easy bio-directional control, right? Multiple inputs um, to end users versus just to us. It, is a lot of this kind of feature set one of those things that we do because we can? Or is this something that customers and users are really looking for? So I may need a clarification, but when I think of bi-directional control, I think of control and getting feedback. But I think of what you're describing is more so you can be a control uh, system as well as an endpoint, if you will. So yeah. you, yep. like what, what you're saying is you, you, you Sorry, can... Sorry, I, I didn't go too programmer specific for you. <laughs> well... Um, but but it, so so your point your point is very important, and you know and it comes down to terminology, right? Just like we exactly. said. But um, but but what what you're saying is is really important um, because there's a lot of products these days that have a control element built into them, and while they can be a dedicated product and they can do they they can be very purpose built, they also can talk to other things. And then what's nice is, and this this is the case here, where you could take you what you, you could actually expand the capabilities to integrate with other products through a third party control system, which is what's what's happening here, and and mm -hmm. that that's where an API comes into play, and and that's where um, drivers and modules are, are very critical. That that's something that that's uh, I'm very big on, but um, is really making it easy for an integrator to connect products together without having to know all of the intricacies of how uh, a device communicates. But you know, having the capabilities to both be um, self-contained as well as go outside and, and talk to other products is really critical because it provides a lot of flexibility. And what I would add to this, though, is that it's important for the manufacturer to really demonstrate that and provide examples of how that's done, because it's one thing to say that it's done, but it's another thing to show how it can be applied. Yeah, and how to use it properly, right? Yeah, I, I you know, what, what, so, what, so what are the use cases? What are the p possibilities? Because it, it, it's not always... Um, easy to understand or easy to visualize what you can do uh, without seeing the examples. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Jeremy, this one, this one kind of, it touches an, an interesting point for me. And as I disclose, disclosed off the top, our company, my personal company, we are an RTI house. And we see lots of cool products that come to the market in the space and quite often, they are fully integratable with the two big players. And if you're a lawn, if you're RTI, if you're URC, if you're savant, sometimes even, um, you may not get that integration. You may not get control. Uh, you may not have any options to work with some of those products that again, our, our customers might be seen and they might be looking for, for, for that. And then all of a sudden you as an integrator, seem to be not as good as a, another integrator who uses a different platform. How important is it for brands specifically to broaden the reach of their integration? Well, I think it's um, being responsive to the channel that's really important. And, and 
this press release, um, this news story, uh, our friend PG mentions that they're one of their most requested automations or, or integrations, I'm sorry, is, is RTI, um, which I was happy to see that. I, I, I root for these like smaller um, control brands that you don't hear a lot about. I, I keep up with RTI quite a bit, but you know, you do think of those those two bigger names um, being like Crestron and Control Four. Um, obviously, Savant is big up there too, but uh, still a relatively younger company than the other two brands. Um, and sure, I I think that uh, as you develop a brand like Oro, you're you're going to cater to the two the bigger names first. Those are the most important, mm-hmm. um, and then you kind of just have to do a cost benefit, I guess, um, analysis and say what, what really matters next and do we need to do, be everything to everyone and be available to all these integrations or not. And so I think eventually our industry is, um, is so small enough where I think you need to be flexible to work with all the names that exist. It's not a huge list. Um, and, and I think what we're forgetting is they also, went to, you know, work with getting Amazon connected as well early on. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big one. But um, I do think that uh, that it's it's important as you become a player and want to be relevant in the CI channel that you have to play with all of these control brands. Um, it just, it's not complete unless you do. Um, and and you look at then what's, what's the benefit for these brands to work with Oro and they, they see this new lighting control um, kind of more entry-level opportunity, I guess. There's a more affordable aspect to getting into lighting control if you're not a Lutron dealer, per se, or uh, Crestron or um, one of the big brands, you, you Vantage. You, you can get into lighting control in a smaller way or have clients who just want to try it out. Oro will give you, give you a chance, and then you can do these... The room mm-hmm. detection and things that are really unique to Oro. Um, you and I have had yeah. experience with that. It's been sort of an evolving, um, developing thing as far as what, what do you want it to do? How much do you want it to be responsive to you? But what they're saying here with RTI is it, like you, you were talking about the, the uh, two-way communication, it can trigger some automation in RTI with mm-hmm. the room detection. So there's some stuff that an experienced integrator can utilize and properly present to a client and say, this is something you might want to try out if you haven't done lighting control before, or if you want to do it a different way. Um, Oro has, has a slightly unique um, way of, of handling um, lighting control and room detection. So I think there our presence detection, I guess, is what it's called. But uh, uh, I, I just think it's great to see RTI getting some attention here and I think they've done they've been mm-hmm. doing a lot to develop that brand. So um, perhaps that's been part of what made this possible as well. Good leadership there. Yeah, it's true. D- just before we move on to our next story, Steve, let me let me ask you one just quick question that hopefully you can answer. <laughs> I know you can, but you you'll understand. With essentially most new products coming with an IP based. API. Is it that complicated? Like we have what? Six, maybe seven main platforms in residential. We have maybe 
12 to 15 in commercial. Is it that hard to write a module? Is it that expensive? Because that is that is what we always, and this is why if you don't want to answer it, it's fine. Um, but that's what we always hear from manufacturers is that it's really expensive. It, it's so hard to, to develop an API. We did one for these guys because they're big, but for those guys, it's really tough. Okay, so this is something that I could talk about for a lot longer than we have today and i'd be glad to so if anybody wants to reach out to me we can um so so there's a few criteria that you have to look at um one is that a lot of the uh platforms are configuration based right they're they're mm -hmm. made to be easy for somebody to put together which requires a lot more lifting and a lot of the uh difficult programming goes on behind the scenes. And a lot of them depend on device, specific device types that you have to fit uh, into a mold. So, um, and, and I don't want to single out manufacturers, but some of the, some of them very much depend on a product fitting into a particular device type so that you can easily swap those devices out and you can um, bolt them in because they have a common feature set. And the difficulty is, is that not every product all easily aligns with what that feature set is. So it can be a, a challenge each time. You would think that once you work with the API, you have a lot of it figured out, but the, the couple things that you're working with that are different are the language that you have to write in and what the requirements and the and the um, the boundaries of the the control platform defined for you to have to fit into and then the last mm -hmm. part is you mentioned about network control um, security plays a very big factor so if you have have to worry about secure communications that could make or break whether a product works with a particular control platform and and that so that that gets that that's a even deeper conversation but but this is an area that my business specializes in and we live quite often and and I'm glad you asked this but but it's uh, and sometimes it's I I'm even amazed when I hear from my developers the challenge that we have to face when we're w working on taking one product and making it work with several different control platforms. It seems like it should be easier than it is. Yeah, that's good to know. We should we should totally do a deep dive on that at some point. Anytime. Um, Mitchell, make a note. Uh, all right, let's let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Unfairly maligned. Every trade upsells to their clients. It's fairly acceptable, but can uh, CIs continually get knocked for it as if we're price gouging, which we might be. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. We never, we would never do that. Jeremy, this is, this is one of those articles that I want to agree with, but I also want to hate all at the same time because I totally get it. And then I get frustrated that I totally get it <laughs> because we do, we're, we're always, the we always seem to be the last ones and you never see your see or hear the the the, the pushback over the countertops in the kitchen right to go from like a basic corian to some stinking like brazilian granite that it was ridiculous to bring in and they had to put it on a plane 
whatever it is, and all of a sudden the countertop price quadrupled, and that was perfectly acceptable because it has that one nice little vein in it. But trying to get an extra set of speakers so we can officially hit the home theater as defined in the pre the first story, um, all of a sudden we're the bad guys. Is is it the fact that we as a channel are not part of the initial like we're not part of the builders group of people typically right we're we're, we're like an add-on is that the big issue what what's going on yeah i mean over the years the story has always been get to know the architect um get relationships with builders get in early on these projects and uh some uh integrators i'm sure have been able to do that uh i do think that the more you become part of the infrastructure of the home, the better you uh, ha have a relationship early on with that client and are seen as an important ingredient um, to the build process. Um, early on, maybe that was structured wiring. Uh, now it's there's so much Wi-Fi wireless that you, you may not have that opportunity. Lighting. Um, is the new one to me. Uh, I hear the folks, the, the, the integrators who are getting into being able to specify lighting fixtures. And I know you and I talked about the challenge of working, uh, not, not alienating or annoying or really angering the electricians in this process, but there's a way to do that and the, the right way to do that. Um, it, it just, it involves a little bit of, of money and, and the proper handholding through the process. But if you're able to sell the fixtures in the home and present a value beyond what the builder grade lighting is going to be and the design of that lighting is going to be, then you're earning your client's trust early in the project. You're showing them a way to improve their home in ways that they didn't even realize were possible. And it doesn't seem as much like um, just toys. You know, um, there's, a, there's a chance mm -hmm. there that AV is just like a frivolous expense to one one or the other homeowner, if it's a couple or whatever. Um, they, they may really wish they had a better sound system later, or maybe they don't even realize that that's something that they could have had because it just wasn't sold to them the right way. They've never experienced it. Um, I talked to a, a local integrator um, here in the central Indiana area, and they said that they sat down with a client and went over blueprints for a lighting design. And their client actually said, this is the first time we felt really excited about our building project, our home project. Not even the countertops got them excited. They were just seeing mm -hmm. their home as a final thing, like here's the way the lighting is going to accent this part of your home. And this is the way lighting can bring you know attention to this area where you're going to have artwork or whatever it is and th the dealer was super excited about the response from the client like this is exactly what we want to have happen and i don't know how often that can happen but just because they're li literally looking at plans with the client like they are elevated to that architect level that builder level um, because they're they're putting things down on paper in a way that just is super professional and it helps put it all together for the client. And, and they're also experiencing the lighting in a showroom and all of that as well. It helps to experience any of the systems that you're putting in the home. 
Um, but to get in early like like that, you don't feel like you're being nickel and dimed or added on later after you've already spent a ton of money. Um, that's just such a key mm-hmm. to the whole project. Steve, we see this in residential, obviously. We see this in commercial a lot too. Um, granted, it, it there are examples like Jeremy's where, where it's changing a little bit. What can what can integrators do to try and alleviate some of that while still providing an opportunity to to upsell? Because let let's be fair, most people, again to Jeremy's point, they don't know what they can do because they've only maybe seen a small portion of what it is that we as an industry actually do. So it's a, it's a little bit different on the commercial side because these days we're selling or we're working with AV professionals on the client side uh, and, and they're a much more educated client. They're, they can speak the language. They're involved and invested in the industry. So there's a, a better understanding and, and more of a check and balance there. Um, mm-hmm. But for for so long, we've all always wanted a seat at the table and wanted to get in as early as possible, just like Jeremy is saying. And so I think that that's consistent on, on the, the commercial side as well as the residential side. Um, it, for me, it comes back to uh, making sure that we do more listening than talking, um, ask probing questions, try to understand what's important to a client, um, make sure that they don't feel like they're being sold, even though you want to consult with them or coach them or guide them. Talk with them about the, uh, the implications of their decisions so that mm-hmm. they can understand the trade-offs if they ch- choose to go one direction or another. And to just treat them respectfully, but, but I think Jeremy said this early on, it's, it's about trust. And when the trust is there, I think a a lot of the tension comes down that we're both trying to uh, get to the same point, get to the same result. And we all are trying to achieve uh, a working project that and a happy client. I I think, you know, that that should always be rule number one. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, Steve, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Control Concepts, where can they do that? Uh, for me, you could reach me on social media at Steve Greenblatt. Uh, Control Concepts can be found at controlconcepts.net. And of course, you can find me on AV Nation on A State of Control with my partner, Rich Fragosa, where we talk about control programming and automation. That's my passion about talking about APIs and other things of that nature. So please check that out and also feel free to reach out. I'd be glad to talk about all of that at any time. I love it. Jeremy, my friend, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today or uh, your Resi Tech Talks, where can they do that as well? Yeah, restechtoday.com is our website, and uh, you can read all our editorial there and check out our um, links to the podcast, um, the Residential Tech Talks. And uh, we do a lot of biographical uh, interviews with folks from the industry and from the tech community around us. So it's, uh, it's a fun place to go uh, once a week. And... Uh, if you need to find me personally, probably the easiest is uh, LinkedIn. Just look me up there and, and develop our group a little bit more because that's a great place to interact as well. 
Yeah, you just had our uh, uh, our good friend, our mutual friend for all of us, uh, Heather Sidorowicz on that, which uh, was a fantastic episode. Yeah, she was my uh, my 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 resi sort of voice or uh, whatever you want to call it from mm-hmm. Infocom, and uh, did a great job there. She's mostly commercial, but she still has a passion for the resi side, and uh, and it it's like I told her. Having her go there is a lot better than having me have to go there. <laughs> Since I'm I'm so resi focused, it's just it's a lot for me to take in. Excellent. All right. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 